Hi, I'm Jennifer Zollett. And I'm Larkin Bell. Welcome to our podcast, A Brighter Lens. we check in with Jesse Barr, director of Sophie Jones. We talked to Jesse at the beginning of the pandemic and wanted to chat with her again now that her film is out in the world. Sophie Jones tells the story of a teen who pushes the boundaries of her newfound sexual awakening as she copes with the recent loss of her mother. Jesse discusses the distribution journey during a pandemic and what she's looking forward to creatively in 2021. The film is now available on VOD. Enjoy. After our check-in, we re-air our first conversation with Jesse, who talks more about the process of making the film. When we talked to you last, you were in the in the middle of kind of figuring out the whole festival landscape and distribution stuff. So I guess we want to hear a little bit about that. But just like congrats, your film is now out. Um, it will be available um, in virtual cinemas. And we love the film. We were so excited to see it and so excited to see certain moments on screen that um, we're just a thrill to witness. And so I guess just our first question is like, what's that, what was this whole process like now that you're kind of at, you know, the last part of it and just kind of, yeah, just wondering what your reflection is like at this point in time. Yeah, it's been a wild, insane journey. Um, I think I'm, yeah, I don't, I think I will probably be processing this for a while. yeah, having this happen also within like the context, like globally, and it's just pretty, you know, nuts. So I think the last time we talked, it must have, was it in March? Like, because we were supposed to premiere at the Portland International Film Festival. The festival ended up getting canceled, but then um, I continued submitting the film and reaching out to people. And um, we're very honored that we had our world premiere at DeVille. And I wish we could have gone. It would, it looked incredible. And the fact that it was seen in cinemas there and people went and actually saw the film. And I had a friend who happened to be in France because she has family there and her husband is, is from there. They actually went. And so she sent me photos and uh, of the film in the theater. And she told me that there were these women who were um, talking about it over wine and bread and cheese like afterwards. So it felt like, oh, it's real. You know, people are experiencing it because I think it's felt really strange to have the film feel really dormant for so long. You know, it, it becomes alive once other people uh, can imprint themselves and, and you know, project their imaginations and see themselves and through conversation. So I think now it's out today on, yeah, VOD and through select cinemas and through Oscilloscope, which we're so, I'm so grateful to be partnering with them. And that that's a dream come true. I mean, I think in my heart, I always was like, this is an oscilloscope film. Like I know it, I know it in my soul. Like that is where it belongs. Um, but yeah, they've distributed some, just my favorite films by some of my favorite filmmakers. Yeah, Summer 1993 and Wendy and Lucy. Um, and they've done such a beautiful job um, with all the films. So yeah, it's been it's been kind of wild. Oh yeah, I forgot that it, it played in real cinemas in France. That is so... <laughs> wild to remember and think about now kind of looking back um so exciting 
And we haven't really talked with anybody about the process of securing distribution. So we're wondering if you could walk us through that a little bit and what your experience was like. And, you know, now working with Oscilloscope, what uh, that's been like. Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, ordinarily, right, if you have a lot of resources and you have um, uh, a sort of strategy from the very beginning, like bigger films will be able to secure distribution because of stars or because of, you know, name talent or, um, you know, certain uh, companies that they work with. But this film was, is purely an independent film. Um, you know, no money, no labs, no stars. There was no scaffolding. There was no resources. It was building it from literally nothing, the ground up. So I think it's kind of a miracle, one, that it exists, and two, that we were able to, yeah, secure distribution with oscilloscope and really get it to this place where it can be um, shared on this uh, larger scale. So I think it was, if there's so many steps, you know, and I'm like, there were so many emails, there were so many conversations, there was so much of me just sort of, um, what is that poem, like throwing out filament, 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 just like throwing things out and hoping things catch and, and you know, getting advice from people and, but I definitely, um, you know, talking with uh, the filmmakers of, of Clementine and um, who they shot in Portland and, and had a lot of, you know, local Portland talent and crew and um, they were really inspiring and, and really helpful in terms of helping me ask the right questions and, and um, find how to sort of navigate the distribution path and seeing that it's possible, you know, for a smaller film. Same with St. Francis, reaching out to those filmmakers. They're just so incredible and helpful. Um, and the Vanishing Angle team uh, who, you know, distributed Thunder Road and they have the beta test that's coming out and um, Jim Cummings and, and Ben Weissner, Matt Miller, uh, Natalie Metzger. I just, I think I just reached out to as many people as I could and asked as much advice as I could um, and then, yeah, it's kind of funny. I think with oscilloscope specifically, there were, um, we did work with UTA as a, as a, a sales rep for North America. Um, but it's, again, it's like, and they were wonderful, but it's also, you still always have to keep doing as much as you can. Um, and I, um, yeah, I just felt in my heart that oscilloscope was the place and kind of like dreamed about it. And I tweeted, it's kind of silly to think about it, but yeah, I tweeted at um, them and uh, Aaron ended up uh, getting in touch with me and seeing something about the film and asking about it. And we struck up a conversation and yeah, I think just their, their mission behind the films that they release and the films they support and the voices they support, it all just felt really aligned. And I just feel really, yeah, lucky that it worked out. Um, cause it is a crazy time too, you know, releasing during a pandemic and, uh, independent films specifically, um, it can be very challenging. So it was great to find partners that were down to be really collaborative and like take the risk and, and, you know, kind of DIY MacGyver it and figure it out. Um, which is also so the indie film spirit. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like a full circle moment. Cause that seemed like to be the process of actually shooting and creating the film. So that's cool to hear. Yeah, again, we love the film and, and what really stuck out to us when we were discussing it was just like the specificities of being a teenager that were on screen. And I feel like, you know, those moments of um, kind of discovering your sexuality, coming of age, and they just felt so real, which was really exciting. 
Um, and we were curious, like, how did you, uh, you know, foster that on set? I know that the, the lead actress is your um, cousin, Jessica Barr, who was fantastic. But how did that all work now, now that we got to see the film? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it all happened so quickly and all at once. I'm like, how did that work? Um, I think it was a lot about um, the energy behind the making of the film becomes the film. So because this was so personal, but it was also a story, you know, that, that we were telling, there needed to be space and permission to play and explore, but it also was coming from a very grounded, authentic place. And so it was important to me to um, invite uh, an environment that fostered trust, um, to really make sure everyone felt safe, everyone felt heard, and that people feel ownership and agency so that they are open to collaborating. So it's sort of like um, a, a delicate balance because I was always steering the ship and knew what I needed and what I wanted and, and, um, and feeling like there's a design and yet also because of the nature of indie filmmaking and the story specifically, it was also being very alive and awake to what is happening and seeing what people's strengths are and playing to those strengths and seeing how I can set people up for, you know, as much success as possible. Like, you know, the handheld nature was something immediately that I knew I wanted. I wanted to be evocative and, and visceral and immersive, um, but it also, lends itself really well to when you have, you, you're getting into a location for the first time that day and you haven't seen, and you need to be able to give the actors room to play and move so that they feel free in performance. Um, so that they don't have to like hit a mark because the light is hitting it just this way. And I need you to show this emotion on this line, you know, especially when you're working with younger actors the first time, it was just really trying to find a way to integrate organically and naturally what they're already really doing beautifully and play to those strengths. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, it kind of was like everyone just needed to really be bold and be vulnerable and dive in. And I think you just kind of have to foster that energy on set. And I think um, the people that were drawn to the film, all the collaborators came and with that same energy, you know, I think it's like, you kind of have to, for a film like this, it, it just was like, it demanded it, you know? So it, it wasn't a question. There had to be respect. There had to be vulnerability. And we really just had to go for it. Wow. Well, it really was fun to watch all of that. So thank you. Um, could you tell our listeners how, where they can watch your film, Sophie Jones? Yes, it's in select theaters and, and VOD. So iTunes, Amazon, all of that. But um, if you go to Oscilloscope's website, there's, um, yeah, there's a link to Sophie Jones movie and it has all the theaters where you can buy a ticket to support the virtual theater. So we're also supporting independent film and independent cinemas. Um, there's also a link through Oscilloscope that you can just, you know, watch it immediately. Great, okay. Lightning round, bonus questions. Uh, what is the last thing you watched? Bridgerton musical on TikTok. <laughs> Oh. Uh, and what was your favorite film of 2020? I really, I was so moved by Nomadland. Um, I love Chloe Zhao's influences and also so inspired by Terrence Malick and um, the quality of, of that film really stuck with me. Um, really reminded me of my mom in a lot of ways, that Francis McDormand character. Um, 
something about like a woman striking out on her own, you know, forging her own identity after feeling so tied to a person or a family or a story. Um, yeah, that it felt really soulful and really like the movie I think I needed to see. And I think a lot of us maybe need to see and the natural worlds, the natural settings um, that she captured. I really, yeah, loved that. Amazing. Um, and what are you looking forward to creatively in 2021? I'm looking forward to having some space to dream again. I think it's been so relentless and so like every fiber of my, of my being and soul has been needed to, to see this through. And, and so I'm looking forward to spending some time with family and loved ones and like remembering what it's like to be a, a partner again and a human again and um, having space to dream and, and space to, yeah, daydream a little bit. Yeah, that feels very poetic and also very real. So I love that. Thanks so much for joining us again, Jesse. Thank you both. It was lovely to see you both again. Chat again. Yeah. Uh, My name is Jessie Barr and I'm a filmmaker and I started um, in theater and was an actor and was writing and started to create my own work and um, then just fell in love with independent film and and yeah. And Sophie Jones is um, my first feature film. I I directed it. I co-wrote it. I produced it you know, set design, all the cooking, all the, I have all the things (laughs) as everyone else did on this film, you know, a true, a true collaboration. It really was just all hands on deck, everyone sort of giving their full self. Um, And yeah, I guess it's been now over two and a half years that I've been, we shot it in 2018 in Portland, Oregon, and we were going to premiere at PIF, the Portland International Film Festival on March 13th. And so I was going to fly there on the 11th and sort of like slow motion nightmare the festival had already started so we were sort of watching what was happening and deciding should we go should we not go and um but ultimately the festival ended up being canceled so our premiere was canceled wow bummer yeah Yeah. it was it's such a weird it was absolutely devastating i mean don't want to like minimize that but i think it's sort of wild i mean initially i was you know, crying in my bathtub, like spiraling on the phone to my brother being like, why, you know, I think, and part of that I think stems from, especially when you make something that is truly independent and against all the odds, you know, and, and then there's this fear that the film and the story and your art and all the work of all these people who really deeply cared about this story and about making this and about bringing it to life, the fear that that might be lost is just, really what was really devastating and not being able to share it you know that moment where i felt like the film has it needs an audience to feel alive again for some reason i don't know that sort of exchange that energetic exchange so that feeling of like almost getting that place and then having it be ripped away was was really difficult but i've i've talked to some people about this before and my sister's a doctor and she works in a hospital so it also like you know very quickly everything becomes clear and the perspective is clear that this was absolutely the right thing to do. And, you know, there are larger things at work and um, yeah, just, you know, the priorities become really clear about what's, what's important. And, and strangely, there have been a lot of really like heartening things that have come out of this in terms of the filmmaking community and actually some amazing opportunities for the film, which is kind of crazy. (laughs) 
Wow. That's awesome. Um, that there are opportunities coming from it. Not that it was a horrible experience before that. So I just <laughs> I, want to make that clear. I'm picking up what you're laying down. Okay, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, just what you were saying. We both come from a theater background as well. And that Yay. idea of, yeah, like when you put on a play, the audience is like the last character, right? Mm. They're, they're there that, and they complete the story. And for so long, I kind of thought that was different from film and theater. And the more I've delved into film and filmmaking, I think that's still such a part of it the audience sharing in that experience so i'm bummed that you didn't get that same premiere experience but um we read that sophie jones is a pretty personal story for you so we were curious to hear what inspired you to to write the story and then yeah complete the feat of of bringing it to uh completion it's been such a crazy ride with this um I lost my father when I was 16 to cancer and he was sick for a lot of my life. Um, and I didn't ever talk about it. And I didn't, um, I don't think I was ready. I don't think I could like, um, touch it mentally. Cause I think I might've, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened, but for some reason there was this protective mechanism for me and my coping with that trauma was just to throw myself into work and creating and, and um, I guess it was around 16 years after he had died and I had, I realized I was like alive with him the same amount of time I had been alive without him. And it was, and I believe in synchronicity and all of that, even though I know it sounds like, you know, like woo woo LA bitch or whatever, but like, whatever, I'm really into crystals now. I don't fucking <laughs> care. But like at that exact moment, I started writing a script which was about a girl who's dealing with a loss. And then after I started writing that, my cousin, who is 10 years younger than me, has the same name. We're both named Jessica Barr after our great grandmother. She sent me a script and she was like, Jesse, I have this script. It's a feature. I would love your thoughts. And, and I was like, what? Like, you wrote a feature? Like, all right, sure, I'll read it. And I read it and I just, I'm getting chills even now, just like, and I just knew I had, I just knew I had to, to make this film. I had, it, it was like, there was no question. I didn't, you know, no money, never made a feature, didn't know how it was going to happen, didn't have a team, but I just knew I had to make this film. And we started collaborating on the script together. She had written it and it was really evocative and really raw and, um, we, yeah, I started just giving her notes and working on the script with her and, shaping it and and just honestly nonstop from the moment I first got it. And then at that same time, I was reaching out to people and thinking about raising money. And the first time I like put a flight to Portland on my credit card and like just went to like scout, I just fell in love with the place. And once I started to like smell the smells and see the light and, and it felt real, even we had no money, we had no team, like it was not real at all. But in my mind, I was like, this shit is real, like this is happening. Like, and it just, I, there was, it just sort of felt like there was no stopping it. And people called me insane and you know, all the things, but and this is going to sound cheesy, but I really do believe, like, I felt my dad. I felt my dad. I felt her mother. So I skipped this important part of the story. Jess and I have a, a shared synchronicity of not only our names, but we both lost a parent at the exact same age. She was 16 when her mother passed from cancer, and I was 16 when my dad passed. So although we dealt with the loss in very different ways, there's also so much shared experience. And 
I mean, it was kind of amazing. I never really talked about my dad. I didn't share that time. I didn't share those experiences. But then working on this film is when I started to talk about it. And really, I have to thank her because although I'd started to sort of come out of that on my own initially, because she was so open about sharing her experience, it really inspired me to do the same. And it just totally like transformed my life. So <laughs> to be real <laughs> subtle about it. Um, yeah. So it's, it's kind of nuts, you know, and she, she, you know, co-wrote the film. She stars in the film. It's her first film that she, I mean, she was taking acting in Portland and, but it's her first, you know, real role on film. And she's just incredible. Can you tell us about a favorite memory from creating the film or a moment, you know, either on set or just in the process of creating this? Yes. I'm going to, can I say two? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they're quite, sort of like, um, so the first I remember is, uh, Skylar Verite who plays Kevin, one of the leads in the film. We were like, for some weird reason, a lot of the cast happened to be in LA like a week, a couple weeks before shooting. And so I just like had them in my house and was shooting them on my 5D and we were rehearsing and like working through things. And I took them all to this like terrible Mexican restaurant. And then we all were talking and he was like, oh, by the way, like, you know, I play music and like I sing. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, okay, that's amazing. So I went back and was like, okay, how can I find a way to integrate this in the script in a way that feels organic? And and I didn't, I hadn't heard his music. Like, I didn't know if he was good. I didn't know like what, like, what does it mean that like I play music? Like I had no fucking clue. Um, but I wrote it into a montage, sort of the the moments where Sophie, the lead character played by Jess, my cousin, and Skylar played um, her sort of main love interest, Kevin, when they're sort of falling in love, when they're sort of like um, connecting. And we had this time and I, we had the camera on and, and he had his guitar and I was like, okay, so Skylar, you know, if you can just, or Kevin, teach her, teach Sophie to play the guitar, like just let, let that be a moment. And then he started to teach her and then he started to sing and I just like, like weeping, like, like it was like, you know, when you feel just like magic is real. I just like, and of course now I'm building up this moment. People are going to see it and be like, whatever, it was fine. But like everyone just was crying because it was so pure. Like the Skylar has this boyishness and this innocence about him that like before you become sort of an asshole, you know, as a guy or you're like trained or indoctrinated into that, like he has a sweetness and like his voice was so pure. The song was beautiful. And the other thing that made it magical was, was Jess had no idea. Like she'd never heard him sing either. So the surprise that Jess is experiencing as Sophie is a real alive moment of revelation. And she really did like fall in love with him and in that moment. And we all did. And so that was just sort of like movie magic, I felt like. And we just happened to be there to like capture it. And I hopefully facilitated an environment where they felt safe to like really go there and share that. And he's just a star. I mean. Um, so that was one moment. And then the other moment, again, linked with music, funny enough, is Nate Heller, my composer, who I'm just like still blown away that he even was wanting to work with me on this. He had his niece come and like sing on one of the, la the last sort of um, piece of music in the film. And I originally thought he would just, 
you know, create something very atmospheric and, and it would just be musical, but I didn't even think about there being lyrics. It's like, where is he going to get someone that does that? And his niece is just like also a genius and like that whole family is nuts. They're so talented. Um, but he played, I went to his house and we sat in the studio and he like played me the clip and it just was like, again, I just felt overwhelmed because it felt like something totally new and it was like exactly what I had dreamed of, but also so much more than I had ever dreamed. And there was like a whimsy and a tenderness, but it wasn't like saccharine at all. And it was just, it was just like perfect. And I just was floored. I was just floored, like sitting in his studio, like crying with him. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like someone sees something that you haven't even articulated and they just like present it to you. I don't know. It's just, I'll never forget. I'll never forget that moment. How did you meet Nicole Hall Center? Yeah, that's like the weirdest story in the world. Um, <laughs> it's like, um, I sound like a psycho. Uh, so my husband and I, this brief context, my husband and I made a, a series that played at Tribeca in 2016 as part of their new online work called Om City. And so we were Tribeca alums. And when you're Tribeca alum, you know, you get these like newsletter blasts or whatever about sometimes events that they do. And we had moved to LA and I got like one of those just general alumni newsletter things where like, Nicole's gonna be speaking at this hotel in like, um, where is it? On Sunset, like, um, and Connie Britton's gonna be, you know, moderating. And I was like, uh, Nicole Center is just like an idol and just one of the most incredible <laughs> filmmakers ever. And like Connie Britton, like, like iconic, like wine, you know, Friday Night Lights. I mean, she's done so much more. Obviously her work is far deeper than that, but just, you know, we'll never forget the performance. And so I was like, to my husband, I was like, we have to go. Let's like RSVP. I brought one of my friends and it was a really intimate chat. Like there weren't a ton of people. There was like food and, and we just sat and listened to them talk. And Nicole was just like really funny and like curt and honest and dry and so smart. And then afterwards I had a rough cut of the movie and afterwards I went up to her, which I never, I don't usually do that. You know, I'm usually like, ah, that's so annoying of people to like, you know, don't be that person. Like I usually like, judged those people in my mind, but I don't know. I just felt really bold and I don't know, this movie's made me really, really bold. So I was like, <laughs> I went up to her after. Also there weren't a lot of people. So, and I just did it in like a not weird way. I thought, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I like, my phone was like broken and like looked so bad. And, and I was like, you know, I really love your work. And, um, you know, I have this rough cut of my first feature. I, I, I would love if I could send it to you. And she said something like, I don't know, like, well, I can't give my email to everybody. And I was like, well, but you can give it to me. And I like gave her my broken ass phone. And like, she typed her email address in it. And I was like, and this was when she was, I think being, um, I think she was nominated for, uh, Oscar for the, um, can you forgive me? So also I was like, oh, she is so busy. Like, she's never gonna, like, this is never gonna, she's not gonna answer this. She's not gonna, but I just wrote her an email and just sent her the rough cut and, and she watched it and, and just had, was very lovely and had some really kind things to say about it and was very honest. And yeah, so that's sort of how we first met. And then she's sort of become a, a mentor and, and, um, yeah, ended up becoming uh, the EP. And um, so I'm, you know, forever grateful to her and just really inspired by her. And um, yeah. That's wow. awesome. That's a great story. Yeah. But lastly, we're curious, what is keeping you sane creatively during quarantine? 
definitely a lot of writing. Um, at first I was having trouble reading because I couldn't focus. I don't know if anyone else. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, it was weird. Like Instagram, totally fine. Looking at TikToks for hours, totally can do it all day long. But something about reading I was really struggling with. Um, but now reading, especially poetry, I'm finding that to be very um, uplifting and, and just writing a lot. I'm reading a lot of like fantasy, fantasy books. I'm working on this like fantasy pilot. And so that's been really fun. A lot of like Octavia Butler, also reading a lot of Ann Carson. Um, so yeah, I think just art, honestly, looking at photography books, like Todd Heido and, you know, like those things are keeping me, um, sane, I guess, when everything else feels really out of control. Uh, well, we end every interview with our three, two, one action lightning round. So you can Ooh. answer like a word or a phrase. I yeah. love that. Cool. Uh, three, what's your favorite or most influential film? Oh my God, this is like impossible. <laughs> it's the one that like comes to your mind. Right I know, now. like, yeah, right. Ugh. This is so silly. Um, or like one you've recently watched during quarantine that inspired you. I mean, it's sort of like, okay, just watched Center Stage. It was the 20th anniversary. Classic. I No apologies, honestly. It, it's gold. It's gold. Um, and I did a Netflix watch party with my best friend. So that is one. And then also um, Tony Erdman. I, before I die, I just have to make a poem like that. Like, it's just, I will butcher her name, Marin, M-A-R-N, Ade, is E-D? Anyway, um, but Tony Erdman, the film is just, I mean incredible and those two things have given me life I think two dream person you want to work with so many like every person you've had on your podcast but like for sure I mean Alma Haral. like yeah she just I just want to fucking do weird shit with her and real bad <laughs> and film it that sounded weird I didn't mean it like in that way like but like whatever also totally that. but like you know what I mean like just making art I just am very inspired by and her her integrity and her generosity of spirit I think is um really wonderful so yeah uh one best advice you've ever received I think just like the keep to keep going um I was very lucky and Nicole Hall of Center, who's the EP on, on my film, I would like let her know all the rejections and stuff. And she was like, it's okay, just keep, keep. like, doesn't mean you're not gonna be able to do this for your life, like just keep going. And I think when someone says that, I don't know, especially someone like her, I just, it makes, it helps you believe in yourself more. And, and I also think I realized by making this film, sometimes you don't even know what you're capable of. And sometimes other people don't, you know? And so they don't know what you can do. And that, that's fine. So if you're, but if you're looking for that reflection back from them, like you can do this, like most likely you will not get it. And that's, that's fine, but that doesn't mean it's not possible. And I think that's also really powerful. It's like, Sometimes you don't even know what you're capable of. And I do think like you're capable of so much more than you like can even imagine. And don't worry if other people don't see it. I think, I think that's okay. Love that. Love that pep talk. Needed it. <laughs> Here for the pep talk. <laughs> Literally forever, forever, you know, whenever. <laughs> and action, where can people follow you on social media? 
Yeah. So my website is jessiebar.com, super ridge um, on all. And uh, <laughs> my, well, my Instagram is bar Jesse. My last name and my first name is so like, that's, you know, the other one wasn't that's available. Different. Yeah. It was just because the other one wasn't available because <laughs> I'm creative in any way. Um, B-A-R-R. Uh, so yeah, that stuff. I'm just the lurker on TikTok, so I've not ventured into that space. <laughs> um, but yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Bar Jesse, my website, if if you're down. Awesome. Thanks so much for chatting with us, Jesse. Thank you both so much. This is such a pleasure. And thank you for what you're doing. I really, it's really inspiring and I really appreciate it. Really oh, awesome. Thanks. thanks, Jesse. Thank you both. All right. Have a good day. Right. Bye. 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 You can find us at a brighter lens.com and at a on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at a brighter lens at gmail.com. You can download the show wherever you listen to podcasts and on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love it if you left us a review. Our theme song was composed by Jesse Nelson. Our logos were designed by Meg Cafferty. Our associate producer is Elise Welch. A Brighter Lens was created by Jennifer Zollett and Larkin Bell. 